This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. You know, getting a good night's sleep is so important, not just for our physical health, but our mental health as well. Sleep actually helps our brain learn new things, pay attention, and remember things. Sleep is kind of like a vacation for our bodies, so to speak, and it helps us relax and recharge for the next day. I think that there's not a lot of people out there who are really paying attention to how much sleep they get. And it's very easy to get distracted, get off track. And so I'd like to talk a little bit about sleep today and just how much kids need, as well as what can cause some problems with sleep and some tips on how we can all get a better night's sleep. So exactly how much sleep do we need? And these are some totals from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. I'm going to start with those infant and, to- and infant and toddler ages. Um, so like in the beginning, babies, so infants need a lot of sleep. When I say, and I'm going to say about 14 to 17 hours. Now, newborns are a whole different thing. And so newborns sleep a lot. And I get those questions, you know, like, are they sleeping too much, you know, blah, blah, blah. But on average, I would say in a 24 hour period, that's what you can expect. And it might be more, it might be less. And um, it's just kind of a guideline. When they become toddlers, then it's, it's a little bit less, maybe 11 to 14 hours. And that includes naps. And then for preschool, we're talking about 10 to 13 hours, again, including naps. Today, though, we're going to really focus on that school age, children and adolescents. So when I say school age, I'm talking about kids 6 to 12 and their hours of sleep that's recommended in a 24 hour period is 9 to 12 hours. And then adolescents who, again, are 13 to 18 years of age, it's 8 to 10 hours of sleep. Now, As I mentioned, we're going to be talking, you know, mostly about school age, children and adolescents. And even as an adult, these tips, I think, can be very beneficial. But I do want to direct you to some previous podcasts that I have recorded with sleep experts. So if you're interested in really learning more about helping your toddler sleep or even your infant, I really encourage you to Go through the show list. Episode 45 is called Sleep Conundrums. I can say that out loud 10 times fast. No. So Sleep Conundrums. And this is where I talk to some uh, sleep experts about getting your toddler and preschooler to, to get a good night's sleep. And then in episode 31 is Solving Your Infant Sleep Habits. So Those are some great podcasts to go back and listen to and if you really want more information about those age groups. But like I said, today we're going to talk about the 
the older school-age children as well as adolescents. So as I mentioned, it's so easy to get off of our sleep routine and off of our habits. And sleep difficulties are so common, especially in this school age. And part of it is because you know, there's increased demands of schoolwork. So maybe they're staying up later to get their work done and projects, etc. Extracurricular activities. Am I right? Like very much so. I was talking to a teenager the other day and bless her heart, she's in a, a play at school in high school. And she was telling me how the night before she had a nine hour rehearsal, didn't get home until 11 o'clock at night. That's tough, you know, so and it's not that we don't want to encourage them to get involved in in extracurricular activities. I'm just bringing it up to say these are the things that kind of get into a barrier and help us very easily get off track. Other things, too, might be, you know, affecting a later bedtime, maybe vacations, for example. And of course, increased use of electronics. I can't talk about sleep and not bring up electronics and how they affect. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. And school schedules, too. I always find that it's interesting that a teenager who would rather sleep in usually has to go to school sooner than a kindergartner, for example, who typically their bus or their school time is later. So an example is I remember when Gabe was in kindergarten, oh my gosh, he would wake up at the crack of dawn. When is the bus coming? When is the bus coming? When is the bus coming? Over and over. And I was like, oh my gosh, not soon enough, love, you know? And uh, it was like nine o'clock. And of course, then he got home later, you know, they want the snack, the bedtime routine, etc. But by the time he was in middle school and high school, they he had to get up so early for a 7, 7.30 uh, start to school. And this is a, you know, this is a teenager who would much rather go to bed later and, and sleep in. There's a lot of sleep problems that can really range from, you know, medical issues to behavioral issues. So in addition to you know, schoolwork, school schedules, extracurricular activities that result in a later bedtime. There are some other common problems, such as just bedtime refusal. My sister always said that we should be born old. So by the time we're a young toddler, early school age, somebody would basically, you know, give us a snack, brush teeth, take a bath and put us to bed. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But you know, they don't see it that way. They look at it as they want to stay up. They are curious about what you're doing, even teenagers, what their friends are doing, what games they're playing. It's that FOMO. We don't, that fear of missing out. And so they don't want to go to bed. And sometimes they don't want to go to bed. Maybe there's fears that they have about the bed, you know, the darkness, be sitting in a bedroom all by themselves and separation anxiety. So that's, that's something we really have to consider. Some kids have trouble falling asleep. So when I see kids in my practice, if I'm doing a well visit, I I go over sleep every time. But if they come in and they have some sleep disturbances, I ask them, do you have difficulty falling asleep or is your problem staying asleep? Because we all know some people can have a, a hard time falling asleep, but once they're asleep, they sleep good. And then there's others who fall asleep with ease, but at the same time, they tend to wake up 
you know, throughout the night. Maybe they wake up frequently and they can go back to sleep. Or maybe you get up once to just use the bathroom and then you can't fall back to sleep. I had a really cute 10-year-old this week who basically told me that's what happens to him. And then the other is, remember I mentioned um, separation anxiety. Sometimes they just need a caregiver to be present in order to fall asleep. My son Gabe, I know I mentioned him before, he really had problems in that early elementary age group where it was difficult for him to fall asleep by himself. And I'm telling you, that's a that's a real issue. And um, And it was something that... We had to work through together, and um, and I'm going to give you some tips to help with that, too. And then there's the old nightmares and nighttime fears, and even parasomnias, which is like, oh, what is that? What's a parasomnia? It's kind of a cool word, but that's where we actually talk about sleep terrors, sleepwalking, and sleep talking, and stay tuned for an episode um, later next month. I'm actually going to talk about sleep talking specifically and these other parasomnias, but I do want to bring it up because they do interrupt sleep and they can be extremely disturbing. Just as a quick note, I like to remind people that typically nightmares occur later in the sleep phase, usually during REM sleep. But if it's something like a sleep terror, which can be, you know, like I said, very disturbing. And we do talk about sleep terrors in episode 45, the sleep conundrum. So if you want more information, please take a listen to that. But the difference is nightmares are later in the evening and sleep phase and sleep terrors tend to occur early. So usually within two, three hours of the child falling asleep. Now, I mentioned to you that this is we're really focusing on school age and adolescence, but and they shouldn't be having sleep terrors by that age. But I do want to mention it because, you know, Everybody doesn't go by the book, as I've said before, so that can definitely be a problem. Now, sleep problems, though, are, so that's things that can cause sleep, but having sleep problems or having disturbed sleep now are associated with a number of physical and mental concerns. So these are why maybe they're not getting good sleep, and then this is what you may expect as a result of, right? One is no-brainer, excessive daytime sleepiness, fatigue. You know, one of the things that I talk about when I see teenagers who are always tired, which that's that could be a whole nother discussion. They're, they definitely need a lot of sleep. I think we kind of many times look at adolescents as, as many adults, but they really are not, and they need more sleep than we do. A lot of times I have parents come in and say, they sleep so much and it worries me and, you know, I think they're just being lazy, but they, they're they growing and their brain is still developing. So sleep is very important. But it's also how they sleep that's important and the number of hours. And so fatigue is a very common association with sleep problems. Irritability and moodiness. You know, I get a lot of questions like, oh, do you think it's from hormones or this or that? And how they sleep, where they sleep, etc., can be a cause of mood swings. Many times I get questioned about ADHD, and I bring this up all the time. 
And the big question is, what can we do to prevent, you know, or to, to treat their ADHD symptoms without medication? And I'm all about, you know, less is more. But I will tell you that sleep problems are definitely associated with hyperactivity, inattention, difficulty concentrating and memory. And so those are things that are obviously very important to all of us. In the younger kids, we might see more disruptive behaviors in any age dysregulation, and it's going to affect their academic functioning. You know, if they're not paying attention or concentrating, if they're tired, if they're sleepy, you know, a, a tired brain cannot think. And so they could, you might see a decline in grades, for sure, increased anxiety. Everyone can probably attest we are more anxious in our day-to-day in life. Whether you have a, a clinical anxiety or not, it'll either drag you down and you'll have depressive symptoms or it'll make you more anxious or have difficulty responding to things that kind of come at you in a regular day. And that basically is just all about being able to you know, manage stress. So Here's some good news, right? Let's, I've talked about things that can go wrong. I've talked about how it affect, you know, it can negatively affect our physical and mental. So now let's talk about the good news because there's a lot of things that adults and youth can do to get back into a healthy sleep routine. But keep in mind, don't try to change things all at once. You know, pick maybe two to three, maybe even just one thing to start and, and, you know, like we're going to make this change and we're going to give them time to work through it. I would say minimum of two weeks or so. So and then once you've kind of got that down, then make more changes. And I'll I'll give you some examples. But most importantly, do what works for you and your child. Sleep habits and routines may look different for everyone. And perfection is not the goal here. Just a good night's sleep. Okay, so how do we how do we do this? Number 1, try to stick to a schedule, including waking up and going to bed around the same time each day. And yes, even on the weekends. I'm sorry. When I talk to kids in my office, I might say, "Look, you don't have to get up at 5 in the morning or 6 in the morning, but you certainly don't want to sleep in too much because every single time you do that, you have to reset that clock. So one goal that you could choose is, again, going to bed at around the same time and waking up around the same time each day. Create a consistent bedtime routine. So what do I mean that? Basically, if you recall, when you tried to get your your infant or even your toddler to go to sleep, your pediatrician or your physician probably recommended that you have a bedtime routine so that the child behaviorally could prepare themselves for bedtime. Well, it's no different for school age, adolescent, and even adults. Having a nice nightly routine in the same order about 20 to 30 minutes before you go to bed is so important for a good night's sleep. So let me give you some examples. You could take a shower or maybe... If you like baths, take a bath. Brush your teeth. That's very important. You know, we talk about oral health and how it helps our immune system, etc. Go to the bathroom. We Sometimes we have to remind our kids about doing that. And I want to back up about taking a shower. Not only taking a shower, but remind them to use soap. 
you parents out there, if you know, you know. Change your change into your sleep clothes. You know, just putting on pajamas or what you like to sleep in is it also prepares your your brain for getting ready for a good night's sleep. And then another thing to do is reading a book or listening to calm music or relaxation script or meditation. I know whenever I do a sleep meditation, I, I can't I don't think I've ever made it through the whole thing. And I I usually listen to one that's like 10 to 15 minutes. And this doesn't mean you have to sit there in a certain position. Just get comfortable in bed and listen to the relaxation script or a sleep meditation. It just takes away from just the clutter that's going on in your head and and give you the opportunity to be able to fall asleep. With that, I know I'm sidetracking, but anxiety or just people, even if they're not anxious, even if they're just you know, go-getters, whatever you want to call it, but laying in bed and it's like, okay, did I do this? Did I close the door? What What's on my list to do tomorrow? I recommend really make get that stuff done all before you go to sleep. If you're still laying there and you're kind of, you know, there's all these thoughts and ideas going through your head, no matter what age you are, I recommend having like a little journal or a piece of paper or a notebook next to your bed, get up, Write it all down so that you brain dump. You just, as Mel Robbins says, brain dump, get it out of your head so that you can fall asleep. And if you heard me, just a relaxing or calming music is is important. You know, you don't want to have them listen to anything that's too stimulating, right? So as I said, clean up, take a shower, wash your face, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, wear your sleep clothes, and then do what you need to do to have um, and a, a nice night's sleep if you need that noise. Some people can't, you know, they've got, it's got to be completely quiet. But we're not talking, this is just the nightly activities that you do in the same order. There's also sleep hygiene, which we'll, we'll get into too. And that's just what your environment is while you're sleeping. So first, stick to a schedule, waking up and going to bed around the same time each day, creating a consistent bedtime routine. The next goal to consider is now all of these things I recommend doing. The, remember what I said, only pick maybe a couple of them to start working on, or maybe you just pick one. And just once you've got that going, then go on to the next. But the next goal could be limit time spent in the bedroom, especially time in bed during the day. <laughs> you probably were thinking, what is she talking about? You know, ideally, kids should be in bed only when they're sleeping. And not while watching TV or scrolling on their phones or doing schoolwork or eating. Now, I realize that they're, you know, that might be the only option of where they're sleeping. So everybody's different. But if you are able, I would recommend that what they do in their bed is basically sleep. And this helps create a strong connection between sleep and bed. Another one is a big one because I get a lot of teenagers who are super tired during the day and then they nap. So avoid naps. In a perfect world, there should be no naps starting in the early elementary school. But sometimes they happen and I get it. And sometimes you just have to listen to your body and know, okay, I, I just need to rest. But if a nap is needed, Try to just set a timer and wake up in like 20 to 30 minutes. Like some people call those power naps. 
or do something where you're just resting and restoring and and relaxing without, you know, you know, do like no nothing digital or television. We're just talking about complete rest. So this is important because what's going to happen is that is also going to kind of mess up your sleep wake schedule. Another goal, easy peasy, get outside, be active. If even for just five minutes, okay, spend some time outside, get that fresh air, go for a walk, play basketball, throw football, jump rope, play tag. If, if, you know, they're younger, or I like playing tag. I don't know about you. Dance, um, play with your dog, throw uh, the toy to the dog, or even take your dog for a walk or anything like that. Um, if you've got a swing set or something, those are just some ideas. And it, it doesn't have to be organized. It doesn't have to be um, a long time, but just getting some fresh air, getting some activity. And there, you know, there's some resources you can look into about what you can do inside that is, you know, if it's really lousy weather, okay, that can get the kids up off their electronics and doing something fun and do it together. And like I said, it doesn't have to be very much. Think of it as I could spend 10 minutes less scrolling through social media and take that time to play with my child or, or you know, connect with my adolescent. Because I know we lecture a lot and talk about like limiting electronics and Screen time. In fact, I did a whole podcast on that. And if you're interested, check the list because that was, I think, just a couple podcasts ago. And um, but it's more about what they're not doing when they're on the electronics. And if they're not getting up and moving their body, it is very important. The other thing, though, about getting outside or making sure, um, you know, that they're getting that energy and activity is get, you know, seeing the sunshine, right? It's important for your body to keep that body's clock rhythm. I was talking to a little boy the other day and I said, do you know what a caveman is? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, you know, it's kind of like the cavemen when they, they woke up when the sun came out and it told them it's time to get up. And they went to bed when the sun went down. Now, you know, obviously kids are probably going to look at me and be like, well, I don't want to go to bed at six o'clock when it gets dark in the winter. But the idea is get getting light, getting that sunlight. It's very important. It helps with our sleep wake schedules and it gives us that opportunity to kind of set that that clock and get a better night's sleep. Because let's face it, cavemen, they didn't have you know phones that or alarm clocks that reminded them when it was time to get up. So anything that gets your heart beating fast will help with sleep later. And anything with bright lights, sunshine will help keep your body's clock in rhythm. So with that said, I want to talk a little bit about something called melatonin. You may have heard of melatonin. Melatonin is something that our body naturally produces. You can also buy melatonin now over the counter why I'm bringing it up is because how it works is that when we are exposed to light, our body will suppress or decrease the amount of natural melatonin that we make and allow us to wake up and be active and have energy. When it gets dark, 
So in a dark room, for example, when the sun goes down, then our body is, our brain is cued to say, hey, make melatonin, it's time to go to sleep. So when we are using screens, what happens is that light, even if you dim it, like if you dim your mobile, um, um, your cell phone or the, the screen, any light that your body and brain is seeing will suppress the natural production of melatonin. And because of that, will make it difficult for you to fall asleep. So ideally, what you want to do is stop screens, stop using screens at least 30 minutes before bedtime. I have heard some experts say 60 minutes, but let's just start with 30 because 30 could be very difficult for some. I know for adults even too. If it's not possible, then what I would do is at least when it's bedtime. So if you can't do it 30 minutes before bedtime, if it's then at most or at, you know at the least I should say, then stop the screen when it's bedtime, when they actually go to bed. So here are some tips to kind of help you with that, because you might say, Dr. Adams, this is sounds really good, but I think this is going to be hard to do. So here are some tips like set a do not disturb. We're all, now there's that do not disturb. I have it on right now, just so that there's no beeps and sounds while I'm creating this podcast and set that do not disturb on phones. And another tip is to have kids leave their phone in another part of the house. If you've got an adolescent who charges it in their room, that might be a little more difficult. If you have a school age who doesn't have a phone or they're at that age where you're ready to give them a phone, then I would say to you, start that routine and habit early on about charging it or leaving it outside of the bedroom. You know, it's so easy. And and if they have to have it in their room, Put it away from the bed so they can't be easily accessible. I know you can all relate. We've all done it. We put our phone, plug it in, put it right next to our bed and roll over easy and grab it. You know, I on a side note, I would also like to challenge everybody not to grab your phone, you know, in the first 30 minutes that you wake up. That's a tough one. I try not to grab my phone before my feet hit the ground, at least. So that's the goal I'm working on right now. But have kids, you know, turn in their electronics and set a time at night and charge them outside of the bedroom. Easier, like I mentioned, if it's a habit you can start and create. If they, if again, if they have to, if if they, if you feel like it's going to be difficult for your kid to to use it in, you know, outside or have it outside the room, then at least tell them let's just put it away from the bed so that you can't just turn around and look at it, especially if you wake up. We all wake up in the middle of the night. That's that's a given. Sometimes we wake completely up. Sometimes we just roll over or, you know, we might not be as in deep of a sleep. And so it's very easy if they're easily, easily accessible. Guess what? You're going to pick it up. You're going to look at it. And what's going to happen? There's going to be light, even if dim. It's going to lower your melatonin and your body and brain is going to say, oh, it must be morning and time to wake up. So those are some some tips and thoughts and kind of why, you know, sometimes kids just need to know why don't go through everything. This is just going to go over their head, but just tell them, look, you know, this is, this is something chemical in your head that just basically says it's time to wake up. It's time to fall asleep. I also want to recommend to like TVs, 
video game systems, you know, essentially if they can be removed from the bedroom, I would, I would highly recommend that or take the power cords or the controllers when it is time to actually fall asleep. Most importantly, I want to encourage us all to be good role models. And so that means that really caregivers should be following the same advice as well, right? Even say what you're doing out loud and really drive that point home. I'd really like to watch this show right now, but I know it's too close to bedtime and I want to make sure I get a good night's sleep tonight. So modeling and letting them see that you're walking the walk and talking the talk is very important as well. And guess what? It's going to help you mentally and physically as well. Now, adolescents, as I said, they're not many adults, but they they are a very different breed, so to speak. And I love adolescents. I really do. Before those 18 or 15 to 18 year olds, older adolescents they also need a consistent schedule and a bedtime routine. It's really easy for teens to teen sleep to get off track. Many, many teens fall into the habit of staying up very late at night and sleeping in late the next day. Like, as I mentioned, especially on weekends and days off, vacations and so on. But their bodies need what we call sleep pressure to feel tired and be ready to sleep. So what does that mean? What is sleep pressure? That means that the most of us need to wake up around 16 hours before we're ready to fall asleep again. So if your teen isn't getting up till 1 in the afternoon, 1 p.m., they won't be ready to fall asleep until 5 a.m. Really let that sink in. So that is something that is very important And when we're talking about, well, we're so busy, we're doing this, we're doing that, keep in mind that they need that 16 hours of being awake before they're ready to fall asleep again. And it's because their body needs that sleep pressure in order to feel tired. If your teen has become used to going to bed late and waking up late, have them slowly start waking up about 30 minutes earlier each day and do that over several days and then go to bed 30 minutes early. Make these small changes over time and that will make the adjustment easier. You cannot expect somebody who goes to bed at 5 a.m. and wakes up at 1 in the afternoon to to then be able, they got to have that sleep pressure. So you're going to basically like, just think of it as you're just, you know, if you can picture my hands, I'm doing a motion of just 30 minutes when they fall asleep, 30 minutes earlier waking up. So, and, and then so on and so on, but do it gradually. It's not going to be overnight, pun intended. It's going to take time, be patient and let, tell them to be patient too. Be mindful, though, on those weekends or vacations because it's very easy to slip back into the habit of sleeping in when there isn't anything on our schedule first thing in the morning. I love sleeping in. My husband jokes with me all the time and says, you have a black belt in sleep. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what that means, but 
you know, I can definitely stay in bed, you know, all day if I want to. I, maybe I haven't really changed much from my adolescent years, but I will say that even adults can get out of that routine. So you really have to be mindful. Now, you got to be flexible. There's going to be those days where they do have late night practices or a game that they were traveling to, or maybe, you know, dress rehearsals that go for many, many hours. So you have to realize that there are going to be some days where it's going to happen. And if they're already in a sleep pattern, have a sleep routine, etc., all those things, then it's just like anything, just get back on the horse, get right back to it after, you know, so many days, and you just don't want to turn it into something that has now created a new habit for them. Work with your adolescent to create that sleep plan. So you both talk about what will work. You both have to buy in, right? And be consistent and willing to make compromises. And although ideally the TV and the phone should be out of the room, like I mentioned, do what works. You know, this doesn't have to be a fight. It doesn't have to be just one more thing that you have to deal with with your child or your adolescent. I just want to remind you, Sleep is so important. Again, it it helps us physically, it helps us mentally, it helps kids learn and play and have fun. And all of those things that I mentioned might sound overwhelming, might sound like common, you know, common sense. But I acknowledge the fact that this is not easy. You cannot make your child fall asleep, <laughs> but you can create a good environment where they're sleeping, where it's not too hot, not too cold, cooler side, we tend to sleep better when it's cool, the darker the room, the better. But again, some kids get scared. So if you have to have a little light, you know, work with your child, for example, background noise for some works really well. Maybe it's soft music. Maybe it's like, you know, some like a, like I said, a a kind of a relaxation script they have to if your child says well I need the tv on in order to fall asleep basically what I hear them saying is that they need that those the conversation so a relaxation script might be something that works well if they need um, just that white noise there's machines like that but a fan will work too Um, blackout curtains help you know with a good night's sleep as well and these are techniques that I call sleep hygiene. But I will tell you that no matter what your sleep environment is, if you can establish a wake up time and bedtime for the most part every single day, create a bedtime routine that's consistent, limit time you spend in the bed, you know, during the day, avoid naps, get outside and be active, avoid screens, And if you're a good role model, this may be easy and we'll all get a better night's sleep. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow me wherever you listen to your shows. 